0: And a pod. My name is Tanisha. I'm Beth. And we are professors here at Glendale Community College in Arizona and also faculty developers. So we're really excited for today because we have a special edition, special episode for our listeners today. We are doing our first interview with one of the most important people on our campus. One of the uh, linchpins, you might say, he at Glendale Community College in Arizona. We have with us here the president of our college, Taylor. Terry Leba Ruiz. Did I say that right? Yes. Miss yes, Terry Leba Ruiz, and we are so excited to have her here. So welcome here. Thank you. Uh, we're going to have her uh, introduce herself, and then we're just going to kind of move forward with the interview. So first and foremost, thank you so much for being here today. Mm-hmm. We are so excited for you to be our first interview. So yeah. thank you, thank you for taking you. the time out of your busy My day. My pleasure. Yes. Yeah, so go ahead. Um, just tell the listeners about who you are and okay. what you do.
1: Great, thank you. Well, I'm excited to be here, and this is a a fun activity you guys do and a great way to to engage with our community. So I am Terry Labor reese I am the proud new president of Glendale Community College. I served as your interim for two years, and that was fun, and going through the very rigorous process. I'm glad I came out on the other side as your permanent president. So you're stuck with me now. Yeah.
0: So, which is That's not okay. a bad thing. We are thank yes <laughs> thank you okay. thank you for sticking with us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I'm an educator at the heart of who I am. I'm a teacher, and I taught math for 23 years. Um, every, I started in junior high. I taught high school, and I taught math at South Mountain Community College for 16 years. And along the way, I decided that I wanted to be a president back in 2000. Yeah. Mm. In 2000, I decided I wanted to be a president and I was a teacher in the classroom at South Mountain. So it's a long road from 2000 mm. to 2016, um, being different um, positions and deans and department chairs mm-hmm. and different things along the way. But at the heart of who I am, I'm a teacher.
2: Great. Mm-hmm. Great. I think that's one of the things I respect about administrators. Who Absolutely. Uh, who were in the classroom for a while, and not just jumping out immediately. And it yes. seems like you spent a lot of years there, so you really yeah. twenty years, it. absolutely, yeah. absolutely.
0: And I think yeah. it helps with perspective as well because mm-hmm. you've been in that role as faculty, now administrator. Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome. Yeah. So great. All right. Well, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So for we're going to move on to uh, our first question. So. Uh, in our first episode, episode one, if you've been listening to us for a little while, we actually talked about inspiration. So my question for you, Terry, is what inspires you?
1: Our students inspire me. Our students are so amazing. Um, you know, every time I, every chance I get, I, I like to engage with our students, and I don't tell them who I am right away because I don't want who I am as their president to influence what our conversation is. Mm-hmm. So. It's just sidewalk conversations and who are they and what are they studying and their stories are are incredible and the hardships that they go through just to come here to, to be a student at GCC are amazing and all I can think of is in spite of all of these problems you know, um, we have single parents working two jobs taking two classes trying to get ahead for their families and we have the student fresh out of high school who's not quite sure what they want to do and trying to find their way and then we have the the returning retired adult who takes the same ceramics class for six semesters in a row yeah. because he just <laughs> loves ceramics yeah. producing incredible beautiful art so we serve our community and our students have amazing stories, each of them so different, and each of them with a desire to get an education. So to yeah. you know have a chance at something different in life, mm-hmm. that inspires me.
2: Mm. That's awesome. I, I like that. I think that's a good, remember at the end of the episode, we always talk about how do we do the thing that we're talking about? And so get up, walk out of the office, go talk to somebody.
0: Right. And I I emphasize that to my students a lot as well. And, I mean, I'm a communication teacher, so I'm always encouraging my students just talk to somebody, you know, interact Mm -hmm. with people because you never know what stories you might come across. Mm -hmm. So my next question actually for you is, is there, like, a specific story that you can think of that comes to mind that, like, that you kind of like think about, that you're like, wow, that's just, that person is just like a glowing example Gosh, of there's there so many of I them. I know it's kind of hard. No, 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 I, there's so
1: about. many. I could talk all day about this. Yeah. Uh, we have our students, so I taught math, right? And I had a student in my college algebra class who um, didn't have the algebraic background to be successful in that class, and he is an admitted felon. And he, ta- he told the whole class that it was either come to school or you know something else, right?. Yeah, right. So um, we were working on a really hard algebraic problem. And I always taught my students that there's three ways you can solve any problem. You can solve it algebraically, the traditional way. you can graph it or you could look at it numerically. And and any way you choose to solve it, you should always double check it Mm -hmm. with another way. So the students are working in groups, they're working on this really hard problem, they all think they got the right answer, and then Michael, my admitted felon, says, you all got the wrong answer. He says, there's no solution. So I said, Michael, can you come up and show the class Mm -hmm. what you're thinking? And he comes up and he displays this beautiful graph and shows why there's no solution to this really hard problem. And the class clapped for Michael. Wow. Yeah, it was incredible. Because here's a gentleman who didn't have the traditional academic background to be Mm -hmm. successful in a traditional kind of way that we expect to measure students. But he was solid. He listened. He paid attention. He could contribute. He was a valuable part of our class. And when the students acknowledged him, it was – talk about validation, right? Right. Right. He's one of many. We have students – our own, you know, um, ASG president from last year, she was homeless. Mm -hmm. And now she's moving on Mm -hmm. to ASU to become an English teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, students – that's why we have a food pantry now, because we know our students are hungry. Mm -hmm. And that's the reality, is that they're hungry – and they're hungry not only for for nourishment and and food but they're hungry for an education. So, yeah, yeah lots of amazing Yeah, that's great. Story, yeah, that's great.
0: yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yes, thank you for sharing that. Uh-huh. All right, so uh, next question, what is your vision for the students at GCC? And I'm and I have to say I'm really excited for this next question because Terry brought materials, and I am a fan of people who bring materials because I am a nerd. You know, from the first episode, I brought books Where because books? I wanted to make sure I was ready to go, and Terry is ready to go to really talk about her vision for the students at GCC and I'm really excited to hear about it, especially since you brought materials to our session as well. I'm really looking forward to hear your answer. Okay,
1: okay. well here we go. So my vision for our students, I have, well there's, there's lots of components to this. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, when our students walk onto our campus, I want them to know that they belong here that this is their place, that if this isn't just Glendale Community College, this is their college, this is where they belong. And what is it we can do to help make our students feel that they belong? And that sense of belonging is actually a theory, belongingness mm-hmm. theory, and I want our students, when they walk on a campus, every interaction that they have from the custodian, the groundskeeper, to the frontline staff in our enrollment center, to our amazing faculty in the classroom, that every, every step along the way, the students feel, yep, this is where they belong, and this is where they're going to come to make a difference in their life. And not just you know come for a couple of years or come for one class, but they're going to go away and then come back because every student will need to have that sense of lifelong learning, which mm-hmm. is what my book is all about. Yes. This book, so in a nutshell, I want our students to be robot-proof. Mm. It's robot-proof, was actually a book, you can mm-hmm. Google it. Robot-Proof, Higher Education in the Age of Artificial Intelligence, written by Joseph Aoun, A-U, I'm sorry, A-O-U-N. Mm-hmm. He's the president at uh, Northeastern University. Mm-hmm. His book is all about how do we prepare our students to have gainful employment in an age where artificial intelligence is our future. I mean, right now, I mean, if we look at what we're preparing our students for jobs, and and great jobs, our students can come out and they'll either have, they can choose a certificate, an associate's degree, hit the workforce right away, or transfer to a university and get a four-year degree. Mm -hmm. And that's wonderful, and that's our mission. But the reality is, the world is changing, and as the world changes, as we, if we as educators do not change along with the rest of the world, then one, we're not doing our job, we're not preparing students for their future, and two, we will become obsolete. Higher education as we know it will become obsolete unless we move forward with it. So what does this mean? So the premise is that we need to teach our students to be adaptive and flexible and creative and innovative, so how do we teach that skill set in addition to teaching all the facts and things that we just need our students to know how to do or to know? Mm-hmm. And that the premise is teaching our students, let me find, there's a great quote in here. We need to ensure that graduates are robot-proof in the workplace. Institutions of higher learning will have to rebalance their curricula. Mm-hmm. So I leave it to our experts in the classroom, you two, two profs in a pod, to help us define, what does that mean to rebalance our curricula? Mm -hmm. Um, There's, let me see, things like critical thinking, which instills a habit of disciplined, rational analysis and judgment. So this idea that if we can teach our students humanics, and humanics is what the professor or the president is saying is what's needed, we need data literacy, technology literacy and human literacy, that the thing that computers cannot do, computers cannot create, computers cannot be innovative. Computers are great at taking you know, mounds of data mm-hmm. and sifting it down into something um, that's recognizable. So a couple of examples, there's a computer called Watson, mm-hmm. and Watson was fed all of this information about um, cancer. So within Watson lives all this cancer information and case studies and research. And so as a doctor can go and ask, has to ask the right questions, you have to know what questions to ask. Feeds it into Watson and says here's what can come out. So I have a patient, they're exhibiting these signs and symptoms and here's some of their data surrounding this, this patient. And Watson will come back with some possible diagnoses that the doctor then has to research and go down those paths of trying to find a cure for their patient. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that the, any work that's right now can be automated will be automated away by computers, by artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. We see this even at um, – I was at Panera the other day. Panera, you know, the, the, yes, the yes. restaurant. And you don't even have to talk to somebody to put in your order. You right, just right. – Go to the little computer and type mm-hmm. in what you want, and then they somebody makes it. So mm-hmm. I don't know if a computer will eventually, a robot will eventually make that, right? So the things that were relied that we relied on humans to do right. will no longer happen. Right. Oh, Wall Street was another great example. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, Wall Street was filled with um, analysts and um, right. what are those people that buy and sell stocks? Stock traders. Traders. Yeah. traders. That's all that's going away. Those yeah. jobs are going away. And those are jobs that we trained our students to do, right? Right. Those are highly paid, lucrative jobs. Right. Those jobs are going away. Right. So what jobs will be left? Well, that's the question. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Yeah. But the future will mean we'll have a human professional working alongside a smart machine. Mm-hmm. Now, the data geeks are people, our students who love to program. Those students have an edge. And that's, I think, the technology literacy. So you have to have data literacy, technology literacy, but the most important element is our human literacy. Our ability as humans to adapt, to work as a group, to be innovative is something that a computer cannot do. And so that is something that I want for our students. I want our students to know what the future holds. And so I challenge all of GCC to think about not the present here and now. And I know that when all the, you know, my many years in the classroom, I was so focused on my amazing students that I had in my class. That's all I cared about is these students right here, right now, and getting through all the stuff I needed to teach them and build in them and build confidence in them. And then semester ended and, shoom, out they went and in came a new batch. Mm-hmm. Right. We need to think beyond that. Yeah. We need to think beyond just the semester, just the year. But how do we really prepare our students for what comes next, which means how do we prepare each other? How do we prepare our faculty? You know, the magic happens in the classroom. How do we prepare for that? And that's hard work. That's where I think our faculty who are, you know, your content experts, but you're also, you know, expert educators. So now how do you look to the future Looked, knowing that we have to teach our students to be more critical thinkers, to be able to work as a team, to be able to articulate what their answers are, and to present their answers, and to research what they're presenting, right. how do we build those skills? Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's our future. I need that for our students, I need that for our faculty, and it's, it's not just our faculty, it's all of our staff as well, because we will, our, our work will be different. Our work will be different, either adapt or retire. (laughs) Right, right, right. But it's very true, though. Everything
0: you said is very true, especially, like, in the classroom, right? Right. Um, Especially having to kind of adapt and restructure and really rethink who our students are of today and what they need. Mm -hmm. So, like, for example, that means really rethinking curriculum design and development Mm -hmm. and then also instructional instructional Design and development as well, mm-hmm. um, and I think also taking teaching and learning to a deeper level. Yes, I think we definitely have an understanding. I think of the lower order thinking skills, right, sure. like rote memorization, right. Take a test, take a quiz, but do our students have the ability to know the why? Like right. when you talked about Michael in your story, mm-hmm. it was one of the things that stuck out to me is that Michael not only did the problem, but he knew the why. Mm-hmm. Right. So that means that there was critical thinking involved with the process itself Mm -hmm. and really Mm -hmm. having a deeper level of thinking. I think that's really what our students need because I've kind of noticed that I think some of our students really kind of struggle in that area. I think it's really exciting to hear about like artificial intelligence and how artificial intelligence can be used as like a tool right Uh in the classroom to help with some of those maybe the the time that we take to do some of the lower order thinking stuff to give us more time to do a lot of the higher order thinking pieces so they can really complement each other you're
1: absolutely right in fact I was looking for um, I was on YouTube looking for videos to to help bring this message home and there's a great video by Sal Khan the creator of the Khan Academy and it's um, like education predictions for 2060 Mm. so 50 years in the future I guess it's a 2010 video 50 years in the future Mm. and he's talking about how you know in the past the workforce really focused on um, the labor. Right. A lot of people doing labor because we were doing things by hand. Right. And very few people were the educated people. And very few people, on top of that, were the innovators. Mm-hmm. But as artificial intelligence takes over, I mean, we see it already with tractors, right? And we're not right. in the field anymore. We have tractors that do this work for us. Right. We don't wash clothes by hand, thank goodness. Yes. We have a machine <laughs> that does this, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we, it frees up our time. Exactly right. what you're saying, Tanisha. It frees up our time to think. Mm -hmm. to be creative. And so um, Sal Khan's premise is that in the year, he actually, he says it'll happen before 2060, is that machines and everything will take over all of our labor, even all of the stuff that we think, like the knowledge economy stuff that we currently are training students to Mm -hmm. be right now, researchers and analyzers, all that'll be gone. Mm -hmm. But that means it'll free up lots of time for us To be creative and innovative, and I don't just mean like you know on in the STEM fields. I think students who have a STEM background right now are are very lucrative and competitive and in high demand. Mm -hmm. But I'm also talking about the arts, exactly the The music. You know, can you create? um, You know, can you create something of beauty that we all value? Mm -hmm. You know, there's going to be a lot more time to be creative. Right. I'm waiting for the day that my somebody, a robot will clean my house for me. <laughs> yeah, that would <laughs> right? be
0: nice. Free up more time, just sit right? Daydream, to think and read, read, yeah. watch Netflix. <laughs> you know, all of that. If, if Netflix is still around, it could be something else, right? Yeah. But,
2: um, but yeah, absolutely. I it's think easy. from a you know from a faculty perspective, to make this shift, it, it's so hard right now to think about what the future will be like, right? And to kind of envision that, and then if we could do that if we could envision that then we could maybe start thinking about okay how can i change my classroom to help with whatever that's going to be right and I, so i think there's a gap there is and like we can't even imagine and we need we need help being able to imagine <laughs> what 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 could be right right
1: And I think that's a hard part because nobody has that crystal ball that will tell you here's what will be like specifically the book even talks about we don't know what those jobs are going to be, but we know what skill set you will need. Right. You will need critical thinking. Yes. you will need an ability to communicate Tanisha. So teach those communication classes yes, right. <laughs> but even in your communication classes, being able to like everything you just described, right you know, um, what's your opinion, um, the why and coming back to being able to articulate, our solutions and, right. and the things that that we've discovered along the way, mm-hmm. so it's the, there's some critical skill sets that I think we can all learn to embed. And, and okay. when I think back over my 23 years in the classroom, the way I taught as a first year teacher was very different mm-hmm. than the way I ended up teaching 23 years later, mm-hmm. because of technology for one thing. You know, everybody graph, having a graphic calculator was just an expectation. Right. But also in how I would. Um, create activities that force students to work together, to collaborate, to articulate, it and it's not enough anymore just to be able to solve an equation and say X equals five and move on. No, 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 no. X equals five, what is it? You know. Right. So mm-hmm. developing equations, solving equations, you know, predicting the future based off of that equation mm-hmm. and articulating what that means. Right. I believe those are skills that we can find ways to embed into whatever disciplines. But this is where I think we have to be very supportive of our faculty right. because it's a bit scary, right? Mm-hmm. You're thinking yeah. how do I do this? I don't know. I have never done I'm it doing this way. It wrong, you know, right? or,
2: or maybe I've already screwed everybody up.
1: No, no, no.
2: <laughs> because th- we're all learning together.
1: Yeah. And so there there are no ways that, you know, I think as long as we keep trying new things in in the classroom and no, that didn't work, let's try it a different way. Mm-hmm. We're learning, we're moving forward. Mm-hmm. But we have to keep moving forward and challenging each other and encouraging each other, supporting each other, and learning.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for part one of our interview with Dr. Terry Leba Ruiz. We really enjoyed having her here. We hope that you will join us for part two of the interview as it continues. Mm-hmm.